0: لا اله الا الله يونس <تصفيق> محمد رسول الله عليه الصلاه والسلام <سؤال> لله الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يدله فلا له أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا محمد عبده ورسوله. أما بعد، who is بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم. وما أتاكم الرسول فخذوه وما نهاكم عنه the صدق الله العظيم. سبحانك لا the one who is 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 the Respected brothers, respected elders, mothers, and sisters listening at home, Sayyidina Umar ibn al Khattab radiallahu ta'ala an, paid a lot of attention towards the observance of the five pillars, especially salah. Ulama have mentioned from the time of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam all the way down to the time, the period of Khulafah-ir-Rashideen as far as attendance in Salah is concerned, it was 100%. Especially in the first era the time of Nabi Karim وسلم,
1: It was a privilege for any individual in
0: that state of Iman to perform Salah behind Hazrat in Nabi Kareem sallallahu Alaihi wasallam as a muqtadi.
1: so much so that even the hypocrites a group of people that had emerged with the intention to weaken the strength of the Muslims even the munafiqeen would wake up for tahajjud never mind, fajr, zuhur asr, maghrib, Isha. The environment, the mahal The surroundings was such So much pressure That all of the sahaba would come At tahajjud time So from tahajjud time Until ishraq The masjid was completely full And you would even find The hypocrites having to come To the masjid Allahu Akbar This was the environment, the mahal And that is why it is very very important to buy a house to purchase a house to move to make hijrah in an environment where you have good decent Muslims living many a times you will find people coming from abroad marrying someone here and the family he is part of now all of them perform Salah and though back at home he might not have read Salah but there is so much pressure Alhamdulillah That it has an impact on him. When everybody stands up that we have to go for salah. Eventually you will find this individual to also have performing salah. Many a times you will find someone coming from India, Pakistan. No beard. Clean shaven. But he comes to a family where mashallah all of them, all the uncles, the family members have a beard. Have a topi, they wear an amama, have a miswak. Or any sunnah that comes to mind. Subhanallah you will see the transformation. He will want to use the miswak. He will want to, mashallah, put on the amama. The transformation is there. And you will see this especially with the women folks. Some women before, past, they were not used to the scarf, the loose clothes, uh, the jabba, the abaya that women wear. And the minute they marry and, mashallah, they end up in a family where it's a norm to, to wear Islamic dress code you will find immediately they have no difficulty. So this was the power, this was the environment created by hazrat Nabi-i Kareem sallallahu alaihi wasallam. The munafiqeen would stand up even in that lazily manner. They would still come to the masjid and stand in the midst of the companions. Allahu Akbar. Anyone today, if he was to study Islamic history, Islamic architecture It becomes very apparent that The mega structures In the Islamic empire Massive buildings A massive venue Nothing was bigger Than the house of Allah subhanahu wa wa ta'ala The biggest structure The biggest venue in an Islamic city Islamic empire Was not the football stadium Not the sports arena It was the masjid The masajid was so big So big Not two, three, four minarets One dome You had many, many domes Many, many minarets Many, many pillars And at times thousands of people Musalli would come in the masjid At one time and perform salah This is the glorious past of the Muslims Alhamdulillah And there was a need Why? At all times 100% attendance Everybody It it was something that was their nature. It was part of their nature. It was part of their making up. They, they have to perform Salah. It was like drinking water, something natural. Nobody would miss out from Salah. Even the notorious oppressors, people like Hajjaj bin Yusuf. Hajjaj bin Yusuf, a Zalim of his time. But it is said that he has never missed the Hajjut Salah. Never missed Tahajjud salah, this is the record This is how straight they were So namaz was something that was part of their culture And even now Allah preserved this system In the Arabs Alhamdulillah you do find some of the Arabs No matter what they will perform their salah But slowly there are changes now There are changes Unfortunately today it is the complete opposite you go to many of the Muslim countries you 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 will see beautiful masjid in the center locations of the city beautiful masjid beautiful masjid but when you look at the attendance you hardly get two rows or three rows filled up unfortunately and many a times uh, I'm not trying to criticize anyone Wallahi Lazim and even when I sit on the member my heart is clean I'm not there to pinpoint anyone uh, but I have to speak uh, And at times Someone might say that uh, It's affecting me But it's totally neutral In my heart I haven't got anybody as my target When I sit I feel that I am the worst of all May Allah guide me first A lot of the people who Take on this mission also mashallah, Doing khidmat of deen Uh, being part of uh, uh, that community to construct a masjid, sometimes the intention is not even right. Sometimes they want to make a masjid like a public gallery or a scenic object for that city, something that will beautify the city, especially in the Islamic world. It's not there to see that, mashallah, how many Muslims live in this area and how many people would come to the masjid, that is not in the mind. But to have a masjid that's going to be beautiful, uh, the beauty of the masjid is in its worshippers. Allama Iqbal said an interesting thing Urdu Urdu: "Masjid to banadi shabhar mein ima ke hararat walon ne masjid to banadi shabhar mein ima ke hararat walon ne." In one area, Muslims, Alhamdulillah, in one night constructed the masjid. And then he says. Man apna purana papi barsome namazi bannasake. <laughs> barsome namazi bannasake. So we have you know our masajid. But in the past it was very different. We had beautiful, beautiful, and this is purely an Islamic architecture. A lot of the times you will see today different communities taking on the domes and the minarets and the pillars. The face of the masjid that is purely islamic architecture allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put it in the hearts of the muslim like how quran is beautiful like how kaaba is beautiful like how nabiya kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam is beautiful all the masajid the house of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are the most beautiful and mashallah this is islamic heritage no community before the advent before the coming of the muslims had this idea of domes, had this idea of minarets. Minarets, this was where the muazzin would stand and give his azan. Subhanallah. So when you study Islamic history, we, we will find the difference that today we may have uh, masajids very big. Alhamdulillah, in England, uh, you will find a lot of the masajid people have fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They do come but again if everybody came Then the masjid would be still small If Everybody did come So in the time of the Biyya Sallallahu alayhi wa Throughout the period of Khulafai Rashidin Namaz was very very important And we touched on this earlier on Even the governors that were selected by Hazrat Omar, Not only did they have the responsibility Of Islamic politics huh, But their main responsibility Was to do imamats. All of the governors were Hufaz-e-Kiram. They knew how to recite the Qur'an and they knew the meaning of the Qur'an. And only then the post was given by Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala an, and that governor would be the Imam of the Jamia Masjid in the city. That is how important Salah was. There was a register. And if anybody wanted to perform salah in another masjid, the imam would know, right, this person comes here, this person comes here. And they were very conscious. Namaz was very, very important. And if anybody did not come to the masjid, then a group of people would go to the house and say, oh, may Allah give shifa to this brother. (laughs) What would they say? (laughs) May Allah give shifa to this brother. (laughs) Immediately, the thinking was that definitely this person is sick, not well. So they would come with a group of people, MashaAllah, making dua for this person that may Allah quickly give him shifa. For his position, his place is reserved. Allahu Akbar. How have we changed, huh, my respected brothers? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saved us. But Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab ta'ala and the genius that he was, Allahu Akbar. He noticed everything. A lot of things were very, very different. He came during his... Uh, era the Khilafat, Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq, Hazrat Umar radiyallahu taalaan, incredible people. On the subject of uh, again another pillar of Islam, Hajj, the Maslak of Hazrat Umar ibn Al Khattab, Maslak as in uh, the point of view. Hazrat Umar radiyallahu an was very strict when it came to Hajj. Anyone who had wealth or uh, was given wealth enough. That he could have performed Hajj this year, and for some reason, despite the fact that he had wealth, he missed out from Hajj. Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala an would go to him and claim compensation. He would have to pay jizya. What would he have to pay? Jizya. He was not treated like a Muslim, he was treated like a disbeliever. Why? Who did he take jizya from? It's a tax that is taken from the non-Muslim. The non-Muslims pay tax to the Muslim government to protect them. And so Hazrat Omar would take jizya from them. If that man had enough money and he did not perform Hajj, then he would have to pay jizya to the Islamic government. And Hazrat Omar, ta'ala an would say, "La yu'minoon, la yu'minoon, la yu'minoon. No, 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 no. This man is not a Muslim." This man is not a Muslim And that is why according to many of the fuqaha (coughs) Many of the fuqaha They hold this opinion That hajj is al fawri Hajj is immediately So when you have enough money, funds Immediately go and perform your hajj For you don't know what will happen Death can come at any time Allahu Akbar Today you will find many people who are blessed with wealth Many people have got money But yet they don't go for hajj. Women who have money, gold and everything, but yet they don't perform hajj. Go and ask the ulama, the masail. If hajj is farz, you have to go. Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu an took the matter of hajj so seriously that he himself would perform hajj every year annually. During his khilafat. Every year he would go and perform hajj. Ulama have mentioned in total, Hazrat Umar ta'ala an performed Hajj more than ten times. More than ten times. And he himself would be the Amir. He would take the qafla of hujjaj with him. He was the imam. He did everything. He did the lectures. He did the nasiha. He met all the delegations. And we mentioned earlier on also, Hazrat Umar ta'ala an would want all the Muslim governors to perform hajj every year. And Ma'dani Arafat Muzdalifa was the meeting point of Hazrat Umar with his governors. And every year, he would meet the governors and ask them, what had happened? Where is the Muslim army? What have you done? And he would even inquire about the governors themselves. And he would first ask them, Kaif al-Hal, no. How are you, no? How is everything, no? What is the level of your Iman?
0: What
1: would he ask? What is the level of your? Mm-hmm. Iman. Hazrat Umar was an incredible man. Allahu Akbar. There is no end to this chapter of the Khilafat of Sayyidina Umar ibn khattab mm-hmm. Now how senior was Hazrat Uthman? How senior was Hazrat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala? Third in Khilafat. Once Hazrat, Umar, Hazrat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala was late for his Juma. Late for his Jummah. He, he had to attend to someone and that was an emergency for him. It was not something that he would do intentionally. Hazrat Omar was sitting on the member and before he would start, he would quickly look at everyone. Asinia, and he noticed Hazrat Usman was not there. Now, in Medina Munawwarah, how many masajids were there? How many mosques were there? Huh? One. Masjid al-Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam only. We masjid e quba outside. Masjid Nabwi sallallahu alayhi wa was only one. People would only come to Masjid Nabwi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam ki mawajudhi mein kaha namaz par zamane mein. Hazrat Uthman ta'ala an slowly came into the Masjid. Hazrat Umar is delivering his khutbah. And in Arabic he stops. He says, Uthman bin Affan, where are you? How come you came late? Can you imagine that? just there, someone the caliber, the, the respect that Hazrat Usman had, someone so senior Hazrat Uthman was a senior sahabi and straight away for him to say Uthman, Ya Uthman why are you so late and so Hazrat Usman took no offense he says Amirul Mu'mineen I had to attend to one, one thing that was very very important, I had to do that and I had no time so I immediately came, I, I did wuzu and I came. Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala answered, Uthman, you come late and then you tell me you just did wudu and came when the sunnah is to perform ghusl? When the sunnah is to perform ghusl? So you come late and on top you miss out from a, one sunnah of Nabiya Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam, which is to perform ghusl. So you miss your ghusl and you do wuzu and you come. And he said nothing after that. Azat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala just sat in the masjid. These were Sahaba kiram ajma'een. Very different, subhanallah, very mukhlis. The love was for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. <laughs> Amr bil ma'aruf, nahiyanil munkar, was not to uh, target someone or to belittle someone. It was purely for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to establish the sunnah of Nabiya Karim <laughs> sallallahu alayhi wasallam. As far as zakat is concerned, again another pillar of Islam, that Umar an wanted people to be employed. He wanted to empower the Muslims. He wanted to see Muslims in a lucrative position. He wanted people to, to come in that position when they would themselves discharge zakat. And he would give dua to that person who was a businessman. He would mashallah Make dua for the community And when a person gave zakat He would make dua for that individual He would say to the people It is better for you to be in that position To give zakat Rather than to take zakat This was his maxim. He would want people to be employed Once he came to the masjid And a group of people were sitting that Umar radiallahu ta'ala and said why are you sitting here And they said that we have tawakkul in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He will feed us. He will do everything for us. We need not to work. that Umar radiyallahu ta'ala and chased them out of the masjid. And said, is this what is Islam? Is this tawakkul? Is this tawakkul? Tawakkul is that you go out and you work. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will open the doors of risk. Why are you a burden on society? Why are you a burden on anyone? Allah has given you health. Stand up and work. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you barakat. This was his maqsin. Wow. So it was not it Umar radiallahu ta'ala and as an individual his life was very different. A simple man eating simple food uh, simple clothes, a simple house, but when it came to welfare, when it came to uh, Muslim community, dealing with the Muslims, he wanted them to be in a better position okay. Hazrat Anas radiallahu ta'ala says, once I saw Hazrat Umar radiyallahu ta'ala an wearing a kurta which had 12 patches 12 patches and a beautiful amama and he had an Asa in his hands I saw him in the Market of Madinatul Munawwara Now he would recognize All the Tujjar, the business people There, if he saw someone Who was new in the market And that Umar taala ta'ala Would take his stick and he would say to the people The traders that were there None of you should be trading In the markets of Madinatul Munawwara Until you Qualify in Fiqh tijarah Until you qualify in fiqh al-tijara. The fiqh of tijara. And so when you read Islamic jurisprudence fiqh, you will find that there are chapters dedicated to transaction buying and selling. kitabul al So you must know how to buy and you must know how to sell. You must know the the, the price setting. You must know what to do, what to buy. He says if you haven't done fiqh al-tijara, then you will surely end up doing something that is wrong. You will end up committing yourself to usury, to interest. Mm-hmm. So Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab was so careful. Mm-hmm. Huh? He was an incredible man when it comes to economics, when it comes to governing. Subhanallah, who is like him? Huh? One, one particular incident comes to mind. A group of people came to, were passing by Madinatul Munawwara, uh, a caravan muslims and uh, women with them also it was late in the night they came to madinatul Munawwara they were traveling to go somewhere else not to madinatul Munawwara but they passed madinatul Munawwara now during the time of nabi kareem sallallahu alaihi wasallam khulafa rashidin there were no hotels motels and bed and breakfast or anything of the sort the only point of refuge was the masjid the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And Muslims were used to that They would come to the masjid, do wudhu, perform salah, read the Quran, rest, sleep with the intention of atiqaf So a group of travelers, Muslims, men and women came And they wanted to spend the night in Madinatul Munawara. So they took refuge in Masjid Nabwi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam In one part of the masjid Hazrat Umar radiyallahu taala an gave them permission. There were no locks and nothing was locked up. Uh, who is going to steal from the house of Allah uh, in Masjid Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam? Now it was the habit of Hazrat Umar radiyallahu taala an night patrolling. He would always patrol the streets of Madinah al munawarah Imagine a man who was given Basharat of Jannah. All he would have to do was just to sit and relax and just to uh, carry out his farais. Does he need to go out of his way and stay awake in the night and patrol the streets of Madinatul Munawwara and so much. And when he noticed that a group of people are here in masjid al nabwi these were traders. A lot of goods were with them, merchandise, everything was on one side. Hazrat Umar ta'ala, and had partners in night patrolling Sometimes it was his slave Sometimes it was senior sahabi This night he selected Hazrat Abdul Rahman bin Auf Hazrat <laughs> Abdul Rahman bin Auf Hazrat Abdul Rahman bin Auf was a very wealthy man You know that? Was a very wealthy man, a rich man And he is also from the He was given the glad tidings of Jannah Hazrat Omar said to Abdul Rahman bin Auf Abdul Rahman, will you join me tonight? looking after the goods of these travelers that are here. Let us guard their goods and merchandise. Who is saying that? <laughs> Amirul, what <laughs> Allahu Akbar. You see, the Islamic government was such that the citizens were used to getting pampered by the Khalifa. <laughs> they would want to be pampered by the Khalifa. Yes. This is how it was. And they, they say, oh, when a child comes to the mother and, and he will speak in, in such a tone, I want that and I want that. And the mother would want to pamper him. Oh, don't worry beta, don't worry this and that. The Muslims would want to get pampered by Hazrat Umar. And they would demand. He would go out of his way to do everything. But yet, it is as if all the fault lies with the caliphate, not with us. This is how the pampering goes. So Hazrat Umar is saying that, look, we have to look after the goods. Abdul Rahman bin Auf said, no problem. Imagine, these were senior Sahaba, Abdul Rahman bin Auf, عشرين mubashara How oh, in the night, Hazrat Umar does the patrolling, he goes on one side of the masjid where the ladies were. There was a child crying. Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala knocked on the door and said, this child that is crying, where is the mother? Can't you keep him quiet? Can't you keep him quiet? And the ladies didn't say anything. Hazrat Umar ta'ala walked away. He was preoccupied in other things. Very much late in the night he came back again. And again when he was walking on that side where the women were. Again the same baby starts to cry. Baby was crying. Hazrat Umar ta'ala'an got very angry now. And he knocked on the door and said Where is the mother? Does, do you not fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Can you not take control of your child? He's been crying for hours. Do you not take control of your child? That he's crying? And a lady responded and she said she did not know that he is. Amr ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala. So she said that what can I do? I'm trying to wean my child. I'm trying to stop breastfeeding him. I'm trying to wean my child. And I'm trying to give him solid food to eat. So, and that is why he is crying. He doesn't want solid food. So, Hazrat Umar رضي الله تعالى is saying, now oh, this is late in the night. You're trying to wean the child. You want to give him solid food. Hazrat Umar being curious, he said, okay, how old is your child? And she said, he's only a few months old. Only a few months old. Hazrat Umar ta'ala, said, إِنَّا لِلَّهِ وَإِنَّا إِلَهِ رَاجِونَ what do you expect? The child will cry, he's only a few months old, and you want to wean him. Subhanallah. Now, according to the fiqh, the masail, a mother can breastfeed the child for at least two years. At least two years. With the different madhahib that are there, two years. And it's good to breastfeed the child. So why don't you give him milk? So this lady says that, I want to give him milk. But what can I do? I'm not in that position. I haven't got a lot of money, wealth. You know this man whose name is Umar ibn al-Khattab? Now she is saying to who? Hazrat Umar. Do you know this man whose name is Umar ibn al-Khattab? Hazrat Umar radiyallahu ta'ala. And you see, these some of the, the stories and incidents that have taken place in his nightly patrols are incredible. Our scholars have written books on it. All the stories... Huh? that have taken place and this is by sanada nothing something that a person just by hearsay has narrated this is by sanada so she said you know this man whose name is Umar ibn al-Khattab and so Hazrat Umar said why? what is the problem? he says well you know what the rule is Hazrat Umar will not give child benefit until the the child is weaned until the child is weaned until he eats solid food So, Hazrat Umar would give child benefit a handout to the mother for the child only when that child can eat solid food. Hazrat Umar wanted to know because why? whilst the mother is breastfeeding the child, mashallah, uh, the only food for the child is what? Milk. And this is free from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, when the child comes to solid food, uh, then Hazrat Umar will give her a handout, child benefit. Yeah. So, I want to wean my child very quickly so that we can get benefits. <laughs> Musa, <them>. <bhai, laughs> did you get benefit in your time? <laughs> huh? England, Zindabad, bhai, England, Zindabad, England, Zindabad, bhai. The benefits we get here. But again, the benefits that we receive. Let, let us compare, okay? Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala and started to cry immediately. Yeah. What a wali of Allah. Allah what a sahabi. <laughs> and, she, and he said, he started saying, Inna lillahi wa inna ilay Umar, how many babies, how many Muslim babies are you going to kill? Can you imagine? What is he to be blamed for? Yeah. But yet he takes all the blame on him. That here this child is crying because of Umar ibn al Khattab. And it was close enough time for Fajr Salah. Hazrat Umar could not even read his Fajr Salah. Ulama have mentioned in his first and second rakat he was only crying. And immediately after Salah he stood up and he gathered all the Muslims in Masjid Nabwi. And he said, I want to tell you. And this is, uh, subhanallah, an order from Amirul Mu'mineen. Changing everything, all the laws, immediately. Hazrat Umar said that now... Child benefit will be given from the day of birth. The day of birth. Not when the child is weaned. Not when he eats solid food. So I want you to go back home. And he, wanted, and he informed all the Muslim governors that every Muslim child will be given monthly child benefits uh, the minute the child is born. Now someone might say that we receive child benefits... And child benefit was also given during the time of Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala. And the difference is, my respected brothers, how much tax do you pay in this country? If you receive child benefits, but this is your own money going round and round and round, eventually it comes back to you. I mean, in this country, you can't save up money. There is so much tax, so much tax, insurance tax, tax, tax la hawla illa billah whatever you earn a chunk of it is gone back to the government tax sometimes 30% tax what you buy vat 17% pay that pay this huh? everything is all about tax muslims did not have any idea of this system there was no concept of tax this was with the persians and the romans Tax was with the Persians and Romans. In Islam, it was only zakat. What was it? Only zakat. Now, in that state of zakat for the Islamic Khilafat, to provide homes, to provide jobs, and to give benefits, and to support people, that is something. When the government is not ripping off their citizens, today, majority of the governments, what do they do? They totally rip off. And however they can take money, they will do so. And imagine the amount of tax that the citizens pay in their billions, but even then you don't see the fruits of that amount of money. Why? Fuzul Kharji. Why? One person, 150,000 pound salary. This in the office, that in the office, that person paid for this, that person... Hazrat Umar ta'ala, Islam talks about balance. So, in Islam, there is a system called zakat. In Islam, they want the Muslims, whatever they earn, to keep it, and the amount of money that is accumulated, again, to give zakat on it, and for them to help the Muslims fi sabilillah. What is it? fi sabilillah. To, to have that zeal to. To help your Muslim brother, to empower him. And it is all about a a, a voluntary status. MashaAllah, for someone to take uh, the responsibility and to pay for everything, all the costs that are there. That is the system of Islam. Islam does not go that this is what you have earned, this amount of money goes here, this amount of money goes there. No, No. Everything is on the head of the Islamic government. Subhanallah, al-zim. this is with Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab. Ta'ala. Imagine, straight away he changes the laws. Uh, there was one lady in his nightly patrols again, she was singing, a young lady. Now, uh, in the time of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Khalafai Rashidin, the houses were not <coughs> built by solid bricks, no front yard, no backyard, mud huts. Hazrat Hassan ibn Basri says, if you wanted to touch the roof, Uh, of the house of Rasul you could do so that is how low the ceiling was As Hassan says you could even touch the ceiling of the hujra of (inaudible) Nabiya (inaudible) Kareem simple home (inaudible) So (inaudible) that (inaudible) Umar could hear a lady singing in the night, everything is quiet and she's saying oh this night is too long for me and where are the Romeos here are your Juliets at home and so this lady is saying Oh this night is very very long huh? I wish my husband was here She was married She didn't have any children No family She was living alone in that house Missing her husband And she is singing in, in the Arabic poetry That oh if my husband was here I would have sat with him This. Where was the husband? Where was the husband? ji <laughs> Jazakallah, Jazakallah. Where was he? Jihad fi Sabirillah. Uh, he was a Muslim Mujahid. Uh, he was making sure that the Muslim borders are protected. So th- this Muslim Mujahid was far out, and he has said, Umar radiallahu Taala, and he is hearing a lady singing, and she is remembering the husband. Has said, O Allahu Taala, Allah Akbar. Instantly, straight away, in the night. He comes and knocks at the door of Hazarati Hafsa. Mm-hmm. Who is Hazrat Hafsa? The daughter of Hz Umar ibn al-Khattam A lady gifted with wisdom. The wife of Hz Nabiya Kareem <laughs> 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 So she opened the door and she said, Father, you come to my house so late in the night. It must be something very important. So that Umar Taala said that my daughter, yes, it is something very important. As a Khalifa, I have a responsibility. Now, women's issues are better understood by women so he asked her a question how long can a woman stay without the husband without a man Mm -hmm. so she said to the father father shahar 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 one month one month one month and then one month how was she saying one month one month, one month, and then one month. And she stopped at that. So Sazad Umar said, you mean four months? Four months. We are going to go to our jamaat for four months. Then we are going to come. Some people are going to come for a year. Four months. Now, Hazrat Umar is saying, okay, four months. And she said, yes, father, four months. Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala immediately gave an order. Gave an order as far as the rotation of Muslim soldiers was concerned. They were not allowed to be out there in the battlefield protecting the Muslim borders for more than four months. What a great man! A complete change. Complete change. Not more than four months and this was to be abide by strictly there was one problem there was one problem the muslim mujahid the muslim mujahid did not want to come back home what was the problem the problem was the muslim mujahid did not want to come back home never mind the women crying but they were experiencing pleasure and lazat somewhere else, in the halal way. But look at today, today in the world that we live in, the soldiers are crying that they want mummy and daddy and their girlfriends. But even then they can't go home. But they want mummy and daddy. And the parents are crying for our soldiers, bring them home, bring them home. Huh? But even then nobody is to listen to them. It's all on to deaf ears. What is it? deaf ears. But nothing was going to deaf ears during the Khilafat of Sayyidina Umar ibn al khattab But there was a problem. Muslim Mujahideen saying, Hazrat, you are saying that we must be there only for four months. About, okay. Hazrat Umar is saying, listen, I have said four months, you have to go back. You have women and children to look after. And it was a rotation system. So every four months people would go back home. Now those who said, no, no, we will not go, Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala said, I give you a choice. If you don't go back home, then you have to divorce your wife. Then there will be another Muslim companion who will look after your family. Because it is unfair that you are out there for two years, one year, And that nobody looks after your wife and that your wife is crying and and remembering you. Look at the justice system in Islam. So you either divorce and go or you come back after four months. Subhanallah. Allahu Akbar. Allah give him Jazai Khair. The genius that he was. The genius that he was. Now even today when we have such fast modes of travel... People travel within few hours. You can be from one side of the world to another side. Mm-hmm. But even then, people don't rotate uh, as as quickly as four months. Do they, Shabir? Or what? What do they do? Do you know anything about three years' of service? About three years' of service. Unless someone's disabled or is injured, then immediately they have to go home. But we say no to war. What do we say? No to war. Muslims or non-Muslims? We don't want Muslims to die and we don't want British soldiers to die. We don't want nobody to die. We just want peace. What do we want? Peace. Peace. We want all of them to come and to settle in their own area, in their own countries. Let everybody live peacefully. Say, Ya Alhamdulillah, Islam is about peace. Islam doesn't want other people to die. Islam does not want anyone to die. But who is listening today? Who is listening today? You've got parents out there. Nobody is listening. Allahu Akbar. Now the problem is, in the time of Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala an, sometimes to travel from one area to another area where the Mujahids were, it was so far that just for them to get from one, one area of Medina to another, another country, it would take six weeks, seven weeks. How many weeks? Seven weeks. And Hazrat Umar is saying every four months you have to. So if it takes six weeks and how much has he got in the middle? Just another few. Two week, two months. And then he has to go back very, very quickly. It would be very, very difficult. What would we do? What would we do? The genius that Hazrat Umar was. He wrote to all the Muslim governors that I want you to structure a complete new city wherever the Muslim Mujahideen are fighting so that in that city their children and wives can come and settle so that it becomes easy for them to rotate so that the distance is only one day can you imagine that my respected brother so if you were at the border at the Iraqi border and you had say Now remember, Muslim. uh, the world population at that time was uh, perhaps less than a billion. Today it's a lot. So when you're in a fight, even 50,000, 60,000 is a lot. So wherever the Muslims were, the governors would build a complete new city. Why? These were permanent batch for that zone, so that whenever they had to rotate, the families were very... Close. So the cities that we know of today, Basra and all of the cities of Iraq, these were just uh, initially cities to accommodate Muslim Mujahideen. But subhanallah, it became so prominent that they became cities and people started moving in. And not only Muslim soldiers living there, but you had also the wider community settling there. So you have Kufa, you have Basra, you have many many cities that in the beginning they were not meant to be just a, a city for people to come and to, to work there. It was just purely for the Muslim Mujahids. And this is what Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala did. He listened to the women, he would listen to the children, he would listen to everyone and he would work with the community as a whole and then provide a solution for them. Until today, this has always been the system in the Islamic Khilafat. We haven't got a Khilafat today. But generally that was the law uh, following the teachings of Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala and that every four months the soldiers have to go back. Now, if the soldiers don't go back every four months, what are they going to become? What are they going to become by? Unnatural people. What are they going to become? Do I have to say to you? What happens in the army? And you know what happens in the army. Uh, they practice something that is totally unnatural. Why? Because when you are with your, with your people, there is this bonding. You fight with them. You live. You, you eat. You do everything with them. And unfortunately, when you are together for four or five years, and there are no women, there, there is no legal means of uh, fulfilling your desire, like in the case of Islam, It would be very, very difficult, and things would go horribly wrong. And that is why. To live as a Muslim and to practice Islam is the right way and the only natural way. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Durshik alay. Allahumma sariya ala sayyidina wa nubiyina wa maulana Muhammadin nubil umi wa ala alihi wa sallim taslima. Allahumma taqabbal minna wa taba alayna indaka tatawab Ya Allah ya rahman ya Rahim. This is ko qabool farma. Maula this is ko qabool farma. Allah tu hum se razi hoja. Allah tu hum se razi hoja. Allah hume tawfiq de رسول صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم کی سنت پر عمل کرے اللہ ہمیں صاحبِ قرآن بنا صاحبِ سنت بنا یا اللہ تم ہم سے راضی ہو جا ہمارا خاتمہ بالخیر ہو اللہ جو لوگ یہاں بیٹھے ہوئے ہیں حدیث کو سننے کے لئے یا اللہ ان کو قبول فرما جو بیمار ہیں ان کو شفا دے یا اللہ جو دنیا سے چلے گئے ہیں یا اللہ ان کی قبروں کو منور فرما یا اللہ مسلمانوں کی حفاظت فرما جہاں کہیں پریشان حال ہے یا اللہ مسلمان کی پریشانی کو دور فرما سبحان الله سبحان سمعنا